Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. Please take a seat and we're going to turn to Psalm 40 now. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am. I have come and it is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. May all who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We thank you, Lord, for inviting us here today to hear your word, to worship you, and to bring our lives before you. And we pray that you'll speak to us as we reflect on this reading. Amen. Amen. So my topic today is when praise turns to lament. And thank you to Xiaoji and Tom for um, doing the reading. I asked for two voices so that you might hear the change and that was superb, the, the misery in the, in the Tom section. Thank you and the beautiful praise in the Xiaoji section. People use clobber texts. Is this your word, Reese? clobber texts? Not really. No, it must be someone else then. I hear it in Reese's voice. People, people. <laughs> so I'll have to have that wiped a bit later. Sorry about that. All right. So people use clobber texts, whoever says that. Oh, I'm turning off Reese's voice now. Um, to close down people's responses or to close down their thoughts and feelings. You know, 
you're having terrible time and someone says, oh, you know, in Philippians it says rejoice always, you know, um, give thanks in everything. And you're like, I just need to cry. Um, but clobber, clobber. And, you know, it's not a problem with the text. The text is always lovely, but there's a context, right? And in Philippians, if you go back to 2.28, Paul says, I was so anxious, you know, that's why I'm sending you Epaphroditus. And he says, and poor Epaphroditus, he was sick, but he was so distressed about you that he was like in a real mess. You know, so it's not like they're sitting there like praising and glorifying and with no problems. They're, they're worried and anxious and everything as well. Um, but that's not what's happening in that little part of the text that people pull off to punch people with. <laughs> All right. Now, in the Old Testament, it's the same, sadly. And one of the things people use for clobber text is the Psalms and the theory that every Psalm starts with lament and ends with praise. So they're like, well, you're lamenting, but, you know, get a move on, you know, the end is nigh. Um, and there's, there's a couple of different problems with that. One is just the, the speed. Like, well, here, here today, I waited patiently, you know, and it's actually I waitingly waited or I was patiently patient. You know, like it, it's a very emphatic, you know, like he wasn't like you know, here's my praise. He waited patiently, even in the thanks part. And then we also know, probably everybody knows by now, that Psalm 88 has no happy ending. Um, Psalm 70 has no happy ending. And this psalm has no happy ending. We go from thanksgiving to um, lament. So um, I'm going to have a look at the text. I'm going to start, um, verse 1 to 5 is the thanks part. And then... Um, the commitment part, 6 to 10, and then the lament, 11 to 17. So verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord. And I've already said waited, waitingly, patiently was patient. You know, like it's very emphatic. It wasn't like a five-minute, you know, come on, let's, you know, I hope the bus is coming. It's like, you know, when will this miserable COVID or Ukraine war or whatever, when will it end? And then the good news, this is like a testimony. This is like a prayer test me. You imagine yourself in church and um, they're having that time where people get up and give answered prayer and people get up and they give different answered prayer. Um, you know, I was sick and I got better. Um, finances were going down the drain, but somebody left me some money. Um, I lost my rent or my, you know, my investment died or something like that and things worked out. Um, kids were being bullied at school, but the bully's gone somewhere else. Um, a friend or a, or a relative maybe is having issues with fertility or even something really gruesome like a domestic abuse and that's been resolved. You know, they got away to a refuge or, or whatever. So David, King David stands up and he says, I have a testimony. And here we're going to hear the prayer testimony of David from his long time um, concern that he waited patiently for a long time. And he says, he turned and heard my cry he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Now, I don't think this is a swimming testimony. I don't think he was actually swimming and got his feet stuck and then got out on the rock. Um, usually, um, this is a metaphor in the Psalms, and usually David's in a battle or he's got people trying to kill him. That's his two, you know, two exciting normal scenarios. <laughs> so... Um, it's, you know, probably not, as I say, a, a swimming hole accident. And, and he waited patiently for the Lord for a long time. 
And he says, he put a new song in my mouth. This is the new song, same words as in Isaiah, if we get excited, but not today. A hymn of praise to our God. So this is the praise. He got out of the miry pit and he's going to do his praise. And he says, this isn't just something I'm going to do in the shower. You know, I'm not just going to sing. I mean, he probably did sing in the shower, except he didn't have a shower. But you know, he, he did, I'm sure. It says, like in other places, I lay on my bed secretly in the night and praised. You know, so he does do secret praise. But here, he's going to praise so that many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. So he's going to get up and do his testimony. You know how you go to those testimonies and you're like, oh, you know, what kind of God is that who does that for people? You know, and you go home so excited. Well, that's that's what's going to happen here. People are going to put their trust in God because they see God's salvation and um, hear David's recounting of that, which gives them courage. And then he um, gets a bit into his praise. He says, blessed is the one who trusts the Lord. The thing isn't that you get out of the problem. It's that God helped you. You know, like the testimony isn't I got my money back, you know, whatever, but that God, you prayed and God, God helped you. The person who does not look to the proud or to those who turn aside to false gods. So you didn't get it through your tarot cards or, you know, your fortune teller or by gambling or by doing things that are, you know, wrong, um, you know, some sort of investment that was dodgy. No, nothing like that. You trusted the Lord and he helped you. And then he says, many my Lord, are the wonders you have done. So again, it's many. Many will trust, many wonders. So this is not just one isolated incident in a life of misery, many things. The things you planned for us. This word, um, chashav, it's um, like when you plan ahead, like your wedding planning or, you know, your trip planning or, you know, your COVID escape planning, whatever it is, you know, you kind of really like thinking really carefully. It's not just like, oh, yeah, I thought about that, but like, you know, really getting into it. And he's saying, well, God really was, you know, thinking about me, even though I was waiting all that time, he had a plan that he was working on. Um, None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, there would be too many to declare, too many, so many great things. And then he moves into this little commitment moment and I would like to spend the whole time on this because it's so exciting isn't it? if you think about Jesus in Hebrews you you know can hardly bear to be here but uh, we'll just move through this because we're really heading to the lament sacrifice and offering you did not desire I said I've come it's written about me in the scroll I desire to do your will oh my god I want to focus on that I desire to do your will I want to do what you want you know what do you want that's what I want I want what you want. Your law is within my heart. It's not actually heart, it's guts. So it's this lower portion where um, like not quite inner being, which sometimes is like nafshi soul. It's more like inner, you know, inner innards, innards, innards. Um, So the law is right inside. It's not just something that he has in a book though he probably has it in a book because he has to have one from Deuteronomy 17. He says, I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. So this is his public non-shower praise. I do not seal my lips. This word seal is like restrain. And I'm telling you because we're going to see it again in a minute. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. So he is probably singing in the shower, but when he goes out, he's like, you know, telling people publicly. He maybe even goes on a speaking tour, probably not, because he's the king. They all come to him. 
He says, I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. This is what he's speaking of, not necessarily that he ended up killing a lot of people or, you know, winning a lot of money in the, in the raffle, but what he's speaking about is God's character. And he says, I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. So he's, he's telling out God's character, God's great deeds. That's the end of the Zhaoji part. Now we're making the transition into the miserable lament. First bit sounds quite friendly. Verse 11, it's like a hinge. Do not withhold. And that's the same word he said, I do not restrain my lips. Do not withhold. I didn't hold back the praise. You don't hold back the mercy. So he's starting to do this kind of deal with God, you know. I've been faithful. How about you? Um, so he's, he's working on God's character, you know, like, we're in a relationship here. I did my part. You do yours. Um, it's quite rude, really, isn't it? Um, you know, it's not like, uh, thank you very much and praise you, glory, glory, but, like, come on, friend, you know, <laughs> let's see some action. So do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness, exactly the same words as we had at the end of verse 11, always protect me. So, again, he, you know, I didn't conceal your love and faithfulness. How about some for me? Yeah? In this new situation. And then verse 12, for troubles without number surround me, without number. Do you remember before it was the deeds and the thoughts that were without number? But now it's the troubles that are without number, exactly the same words. My sins have overtaken me. It could be troubles, could be sins, so I'm not going to get too much into the sin side. And I cannot see. Do you remember many will see and trust in the Lord? Now he can't even see. He's got so many troubles he can't see himself, let alone many seeing. He says, they're more than the hairs of my head. This more than is, again, back from before, you know, the more things that I can count about your wonderfulness. Now I've got more problems than I can um, think about. And my heart fails me. So he had the law, you know, nicely in his innards, and now his heart is failing, you know. So he's having this sort of inner trouble. He says, be pleased to save me. This is about desire. This is the word that we had before, you know, my desire is to do your will. Now he says, what is your will? Please make it to save me. So he's picking up that language again. Be pleased to save me, Lord, and then come quickly to help me. So I waited patiently, but now come quickly. So that's a kind of an interesting thing, isn't it? You can be patient in some moments, but maybe there's, there's a hurry up. Though God may still take a long time, but there's nothing wrong with saying, I need this this answer pretty quickly. Please hurry up. So um, verse 15, verse 15 and, no, sorry, verse 14, 15 and 16. It's a little comparison between the wicked and the righteous. And I love the way Tom did that, aha, aha, which sounded really nasty, uh, what, the, what the wicked do. Um, in Hebrew, it's heach, heach. Just imagine someone, I won't do it at anyone, heach, heach. But the good guys say, um, the Lord is great. So there's this sort of comparison of the bad guys, the ones seeking my life, compared with the good guys who are seeking God. You know, so there's, you know, lots of plays on words here. Um, the bad guys desire his ruin, but the good guys um, love, love um, God's salvation. And they say God is great. Then um, verse 17, back to the... Concern of I, you notice there's a lot of 
we here, you are our God, you know, you help us, I've got a problem, but, you know, here's all these good people out there and then back to me, but as for me. So that's what you generally do, you know, that's how the bad and the good go, I'm in the good side, how about some personal action on my behalf? I am poor and needy, may the Lord think of me. This same word think, you know, many thoughts, they were good, how about a plan on my behalf? Let's get on to it. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. You are my God. It could even just be my God. There's no you are there. Just could be my God. Do not delay. And this is some, something actually we've taken into the prayer book where we have, O Lord, make haste, make speed to save us. O Lord, make haste to help us. It's probably from Psalm 70, which comes from this psalm. But, um, you know, this is a prayer that we've taken into the Western tradition um, through the um, Desert Fathers, Cassian and people like that um, brought that in. Sort of like you might know of the Jesus prayer. Um, so this is like a Western prayer that the monks used to pray. So we don't know if David is having a new problem, like he fixed one lot of enemies and then maybe some internal rivals or something have come up, or did he have a complex situation and one thing was kind of solved and the next thing um, came up. And, I mean, we have that ourselves, don't we? You, you're worried about, like, you break your leg and then you get COVID as well, you know, or you've got a lot of pre-existing conditions and one gets fixed, but the other one um, still persists. Your kid, the bully moves away, but also the best friend, you know. So it could be a new problem. It could be um, something complex that goes on. When... Um, we were early in ministry. This is really long ago. Um, some people from the congregation, they were new Christians, they came to us and they said, we'd like to be home group leaders. And we said, uh, what? Why, why would you like to be a home group leader? And they said, we've noticed that none of the home group leaders have any problems. So we'd like to become a home group leader <laughs> so that we wouldn't have any problems. They had this idea that as you advanced in... Um, church hierarchy, basically, your problems, like real people have problems and the home group people have less and then the pastor, well, you know, if I could get to be a pastor, that would be, like, so good. All right. So that, that, that's there in, in the myth um, and we need to be aware of it. I, I was a bit party to that myth myself in a slightly different way and at about the same era as well. I um, had had quite a lot of things that were really difficult happening to me, um, particularly in my 20s, and I had this sort of feeling that if I became a real adult, maybe 35, that things would resolve. You know, sometimes people think this is teenagers, you know, when I get to be a grown-up and then, you know, we all know about adulting and how awful it is. Um, <laughs> and then this horrible realisation, I think early 30s, that it wasn't going to get any better and, as I can testify to you, much more complicated, you know, many more many more things. So, you know, in personal trajectory, just ageing, we might have this fantasy about things getting better. Um, in the church, um, we also can have this idea that if we're doing God's will, it'll get better. Uh, Robert Warren, who's still alive, I had to Google him to see, uh, he's an advisor to the Archbishop of Canterbury. And a long time ago, in 1989, I think he, he well, the book was published, he probably wrote it earlier in that, in the 80s, um, this book, In the Crucible, and we were reading it. If it was written in 89, we must have been in Hong Kong when we were reading it and going through all the stuff about the handover to China. It was, you know, a very intense time. And he said they were 
um, building this church um, in Sheffield, which is a steel community. And so that's why the book's called In the Crucible, because it's about like melting the iron to make the steel. And he said they were going through this really hard time in the church. And so they prayed. And God's response was to turn up the heat. Um, so that, that was very moving to us. And I'm sure um, many of you have experienced that. You think, this is so hard. Come on, God, you know, come and help us. And he says, <laughs> and it doesn't mean that you're doing the wrong thing. That church apparently has, you know, kept on going and being very fantastic. But um, we might think this is not going well. You know, why not? And the answer is God might be turning up the heat. When I was um, training as a spiritual director, we did a lot of inner work. It's one of the things you do as a, um, in your training. And I did this huge amount of work and got this huge amount of freedom. I mean, many of you all know when you do that kind of inner work or you confess sins or whatever and, you know, everything lifts off and you feel light. Well, in this case, for about two seconds. And then the next lot of stuff came up and I'm like, this is useless. This is so awful. But um, fortunately, I was training, so I was reading these books. And one of the books I read, um, which um, is called Looking Into the Well, a very experienced director said, what is happening? I mean, many things could be happening, but one of the things could be happening is the deeper things that you can't even face are like down, and when you clear off what's above, the new things can come up. So it's not like, oh, I wasted all those years, you know, working on this deep stuff and I've still got so much to go, it was more like, well, how amazing, you know, to be going deeper and deeper and deeper into the world where God is able to do those deep things. So waiting patiently for the Lord, giving thanks where stuff goes well, asking God to act quickly when new troubles come. Certainly not lament to praise, Bye, everybody. But um, some people talk about the Psalter as a dynamic cycle of prayer and praise. Even if one psalm just does one journey, the next one will be a lament. So you, you kind of move like that. So we can build our lament on our past experience of God, as, as David did, as I showed you here, where he says, oh, so great, and now let's activate it again, uh, the character and the deeds of God. Um, but the big message is it's okay to lament. <laughs>